0: Values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. And hey, thanks for being here. The President of the United States giving a speech wh- about gun control and uh, talking about taking away guns. He made this statement when he ran for president saying that um, he would take away uh, AR 15s from people. He doesn't believe it's necessary for them to have them, uh, which, which makes me laugh. But, you know, again, I understand the conversation. When you have. So many reports of death and murder, and we all want it to stop. This is going to be an obvious avenue of conversation. I will have this civil conversation with anyone, anytime. I will never shy away from it. I acknowledge that there is way too much death that's going on. But uh, taking away my guns isn't going to stop that from happening. And it, taking away the guns from the average American citizen, taking away one style of gun is not going to solve this problem. It's not. The, the AR15 style, what they call assault rifles, that platform, that doesn't make, they're no more dangerous than any other gun. And uh, you know, in light of what happened in Phoenix earlier this week, we need to do something about getting the, the guns out of the hands of people that should not have them. But I, I played a piece of audio to start the show and went off on kind of a long rant. And this one, I believe, for everyone out there that is a gun control advocate that likes the president's position, you're a supporter of this president. I want you to hear one of the statements he made. And this was uh, the reason why I'm bringing this out is, A, it's very hypocritical. But also it does connect because he's talking to a group of people in justifying his desire to, for taking away guns from the American people
1: keep guns out of, you know what the mexicans are you, mexico which has real problems causing
0: us real problems you know what their biggest complaint is can't we stop the gun, gun, gun trafficking across the southern border into mexico so let's start there can't we stop the gun trafficking out of the united states into mexico he said that's mexico's biggest complaint um <laughs> Um, I would say then the my very first response to that is that, well, then why don't you secure the border? Why don't you, in conjunction with the Mexican government, do a better job of securing the border? The same porous border that Americans are complaining about because millions of people have come here illegally is the same porous border that you are in control of. That if you don't like the gun trafficking out of America and into Mexico, and that's Mexico's biggest complaint, why don't you shut down the border? That's a pretty – I mean it's a valid question at least. Give me credit for at least asking a valid question. But I explained the history of Operation Fast and Furious in the state of Arizona. The Department of Justice was being run by Eric Holder then Barack Obama was the president Joe Biden was the vice president and uh, it was a, it was an operation that ran out of Arizona through the alcohol tobacco firearms and explosives. There are so many other twists and turns in this story but ATF had an operation where they were going after illegal gun runners and uh, ATF agents, ground field agents were complaining that there was a lack of surveillance on the fire And I've said this earlier, and I've already gotten some affirmation messages from some cops. If you work undercover, if you're doing a drug buy or a drug sale, gun buy, gun sale, if you're as a police officer undercover, if you are selling something to someone, you never lose sight of the money. If you are buying something, you never lose sight of the product. And the uh, Trump, I'm sorry, the Trump administration um, was not successful at shutting down the border either. And in this case, we're talking about gun trafficking in New Mexico, the United States government is responsible for a couple of thousand firearms going into Mexico. And I'm talking about this very same rifles they're talking about, AR-15 rifles. Our government is responsible for a couple of thousand of those rifles getting into Mexico, into the hands of the cartels, back during the Obama administration. And it wasn't so much that the operation was so botched that it happened. It was when it happened, no one was informed. No one was notified in the Mexican government nor on the American side of the border that 2,000 firearms had just gotten into the hands of the cartels. No one was told. It didn't come to light until whistleblowers within the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Agency spoke out because Brian Terry is a Border Patrol agent who was murdered at the border and one of those stolen guns or, or illegal guns was found at the scene of his murder. And... Only then did Operation Fast and Furious come to light to the American people. Um, There was no transparency in the investigation. As a matter of fact, the records were sealed and said to be national security issues, so they could not be unsealed as to who authorized the operation and what it was all about. I have my own suspicions as to why they were doing it, Um, but that part of it's not important right now. What is important is that this president has been such a hypocrite. We have armed the Taliban we left behind so many firearms that should have been destroyed even if you weren't going to load them on trucks or airplanes and you know get to get them out of there you destroy them you bend the barrels you, you cut them into pieces there were there was uh, efficient ways to make sure that the Taliban wasn't walking around with brand new automatic weapons up in, up to and including 50 caliber guns Uh, I mean, we're talking sizable weapons, and uh, the Taliban has them. And look at the havoc that's being wreaked right now in the region. Um, So the hypocrisy of the statement of talking to the American people about disarming the American people makes me crazy. So... um, uh, he talked about January 6th, and, and uh, he talked about how uh, the right-wing uh, Republicans and this whole demonizing of people that disagree with you. This is the president that promised to unify this country, and he talks about the right-wing Americans out there that talk about these guns and who are they shooting, and he points back at a bunch of cops. And, uh, and that's just not how it is. And it is a lie that because I want to protect my right to have these firearms that I'm calling for a revolution or that anybody that's ever listened to my show, have you ever heard of anybody that is more pro-law enforcement than I am? And the answer is you will not. And I am not above average in anything. I am an average person. And I guarantee you I'm an average gun owner. The idea of taking a weapon away from me makes it less safe not more safe in this country and when the president of the united states talks about disarming american citizens they are going to push back and when you push back then you're you're categorized as a militia member or this right wing and that's not the case at all there is a mischaracterization of gun owners so i will i will say this Respectfully to anybody out there that is anti-whatever when it comes to guns, if it's specifically AR-15 type rifles, whatever it is, um, I would suggest, I would, and I hope you'll do it, find someone that you know that owns guns. And if you've never gone through the process because you don't like guns, you're never going to own a gun, go talk to someone that can walk you through the process of getting a legal gun. The problem in our society is not legal gun owners with legal guns. The overwhelming problem in our society is the illegal guns that are out there in the hands of people that are already prohibited by law. Isn't it interesting that they want to create another law and they think that's going to stop the people that are already breaking the law by having illegal guns? And the punchline to all of this, the New York City City Council, you know how they're solving their problem with guns? They're putting gun-free zone signs up in Times Square. Let that sink in. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? It Happens. Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
1: Deputy Director of the National Economic Council, Bharat Ramamurthy says how the student loan forgiveness plan will be paid for.
0: It is paid for and far more by the amount of deficit reduction that we're already on track for this year. Like I said, we're on track for $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction this year.
1: Did the White House provide a satisfactory answer? No.
0: I mean, come on. You're shifting the burden from one group of American citizens to another. The American citizens at large are going to eat the cost of these student loans that somebody took out. I asked the question earlier today, what is the difference in principle between a government loan for students that are going to college or a government loan for people expanding businesses through the Small Business Administration? And the answer is neither. They're not different. They are the same in principle. One allows you to get an education to get a better job. The other gives you capital to start up a business. Business so that you can hire people and improve your quality of life. Why do you choose one group of people and say they deserve relief in the middle class when there are hardworking businesses right now that are working very hard to pay off their government backed loans to expand their business? You are saying academia is superior and deserves better than the working class in America. I think it's the wrong thing to do. We shouldn't be doing it this way. And I'm someone that believes in scholarships. I'd love to start a scholarship program where I could voluntarily help offset the cost for students that want to go back either to a trade school or first responders or their kids. I think it's a great plan, and I want to go through with it. But that's my choice and the money that I get donated to me through this charity that we are creating so that we can do those things. It's not the government saying, you're going to pay it. Big difference, and I think they're wrong.
1: California farmer Bruce Rominger spoke to Fox Business about how the state of the economy has affected his livelihood.
0: Fertilizer prices have doubled. Historic highs of, of our fuel prices. You know, in California, our labor is a significant cost and going up. And so we have just seen any margin we had basically eaten up by these inflation pressures uh, this season.
1: Are you worried about the repercussions of these issues?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, as like everybody else, the cost of things that are going up. And when you when you are someone that's a food grower, let's just use them. If you've got, if you're talking about fertilizer. To grow the food that you eat, we know that water is going to become more expensive, the fertilizer is more expensive, trucking those goods from field to table, getting them to the grocer is more expensive. We are all paying a lot more money, and that is something all of us should be concerned about you are listening to Did You Hear This, we do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines.
1: After the Supreme Court struck down New York State's concealed carry handgun law, New York City decided to take action.
0: A new concealed carry law takes effect tomorrow, defining sensitive places where people are not allowed to take guns. And one of those places, of course, is right here in Times Square. As soon as tomorrow, you will see signage in Times Square declaring this a gun-free zone. Will these signs help? Come on. I mean, I... (laughs) Um, When you designate a gun-free zone like that, what you are telling the criminals is law-abiding citizens are not carrying guns here. The point of a concealed carry permit in places that require them, it lets the criminal know that there are going to be armed good guys here as well as armed bad guys. The way the criminals work is they are predators. They will go after the weakest link every chance that they get. That's what they do by nature. Whether it's in the animal kingdom or it's human beings, that they are going to prey upon the people they believe they can get over on so if you're not allowed to carry a gun at all in times square it's a free-for-all for for the criminals whether that criminal has a gun or that criminal doesn't you are then now ready to be victimized because you can't have a gun there the idea that you're going to put up gun-free zone signs and that means criminals won't carry guns there is absurd Mikhail Gorbachev
1: passed away yesterday, and many are remembering his legacy. In 1990, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize.
0: For his leading role... In the peace process, which
1: today characterizes important part of the international community, how do you define Gorbachev's legacy?
0: Um, I think well, obviously he was an adversary to the U.S. throughout the Cold War, the Russian Empire, the USSR, the Soviet Union was our was our arch enemy at the time. Uh, Over time, the respect that he had and had grown for him with Ronald Reagan, he was a part of the peace process. Um, I would not equate him in the peace process to Ronald Reagan, but he was a big part. And I think that this, again, I said earlier on the show, this is a chapter of world history that is closing. We are turning a page on a new chapter of world history now that all three of them, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, are gone. Yeah, it's strange for I, I would imagine for '80s kids to know to to look at how we grew up. Mikhail Gorbachev was seen as public enemy number one to the United States. They were the worldwide threat to the Western world, is what how people saw Mikhail Gorbachev and the Soviet Union. And there was a lot of tension between those nations, and it was not an easy time. Um, but over time, as it went, there was a there was a friendship, if not a, a friendship, a definite respect that was built between the two. I, and I mentioned this earlier for those of you that didn't read this in american history when ronald reagan died sitting next to margaret thatcher at the funeral was mikhail gorbachev there was that much respect uh, amongst those two world leaders and in the end he was there to pay tribute to his adversary uh, at his funeral in a moment we're going to talk about the arizona school voucher program there is expanded interest in the way it's now uh, changed we're going to talk about that at interest and is it the right thing to do next Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Another uh, controversial program in the minds of some is the expansion of the ESA program, which are the uh, the scholarship program of the vouchers for schools. This program was originally designed for special needs students so that the parents could take tax dollars that were uh, attached to their children's um, Education, the tax dollars attached to education could be used by the parent any way they see fit within the confines of education to make sure that that special needs child gets the best possibility at an education. And so the idea being we should expand this program for all families. And I would say it, it's very strange the dynamic of politics. Um, Growing up the way I did, and and I don't want to make this about me, but I'm coming from a reference point of experience. Growing up in a very poor family, um, I went to a a good quality school called Cypress Lake High School in in Fort Myers, Florida. My brother Tom also did. But our brother Brian went to a school called Bishop Verot High School. Bishop Verot is a lot like Brophy. It is a Catholic school college prep school and my brother went on a scholarship um he was the first person in our family the only person that i know of so far to graduate from college he graduated with honors um and uh went on into a great career in law enforcement where he's a captain of the sheriff in the sheriff's office in my hometown um And you can't tell me that that influence, being in a college prep school where academics are such a big part of it, didn't form him differently in those years than it did for me. We different, you know, different lives were seven years apart. But um, regardless, if you've got a child in a situation that you don't want them in, why should a parent not be able to do this? Because now the focus is, well, there's a lot of people who already have their kids in private school that are using this money for private school, and we knew this was going to happen. Well, what about the kids who live in South Phoenix and Sunny Slope, and they live in you know more working-class neighborhoods. They live in Maryvale, and they want to be able to send their kids to a private school. The opportunity now exists. And can someone explain to me why that's bad? Well, here's the explanation of why they think it's bad. Because wealthier families are using this money to do the same thing. It's their money. And I'll go back to my original argument on this topic. Um, I love teachers. I love educators. Um, I have no, I hate the politics. I, I want to make sure there's a clear distinction. I hate the politics of education. The politics of education is ugly. I've been the victim of it. And when you speak out against, you can go on social media now, man, they hate my guts. And I don't care because they don't know me. Um, I am fighting the good fight. I just disagree with them. I don't hate them. I don't rip them. I don't call them names. They sure do it to me. These are the educators out there, the ones that are in it for the kids. And, well, hang on a minute. If it's really about the kids, let's, let me ask a very fair question. If the, do you believe that if the public school system was doing its job appropriately, that we would have a need for all of these charter schools, home schools, micro schools, private schools? Or is it because parents are craving an option Because the public school system doesn't work. Now, I know the next question is going to be, well, let's just fund education. If we funded education, and if you look around the country, there are school districts all over this country that spend far more per student than we spend in Arizona that are getting no results whatsoever. That are not any better, if they are better, moderately better than Arizona. Across this country, we have... A huge problem. Our students in America are not able to read at grade level in the third grade. They aren't able to perform math skills at the eighth grade. This is a systemic problem across this country. And here's another thing about this that really bothers me. Um, the reason why people want vouchers, I'm going to read. Uh, let me read this this headline to you. California district curriculum claims, this is a the school district. This is the Newport Mesa district. Lists 10 sexual orientations, including scoliosexual. I couldn't even begin to tell you what that means. I don't know what that means, but in the school curriculum, this is a part of it. And parents are saying, um, my child can't spell scoliosexual, and yet you want to make it a part of a curriculum that it's recognized as a gender identity or a sexual identity. Um,. This is where parents have gone sideways with the school system. They have gone sideways with the school system because we have gotten away from the reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have gotten away from STEM. We have gotten away from all of those things in the public schools. Not in every public school, not in every district, but in many, many, many of them. And parents don't want to fight. When it comes to their children, they're not going to fight. They are going to say to you, you have to stop this. So here's how they're built, uh, And I've seen the stories and some of them are legitimate when I, I mean legitimate complaints against the parents where now we're banning books and we're banning this book and we're banning that book. And, you know, you're just like Hitler. Hitler burned thousands of books. And so they're made out to be these overzealous, um, crazy people. Are there people out there complaining about books that have no problem beyond? a show? Of course, most of us would agree with that. But when you've got books, and one of them, it's not my book, it's not my title, it's their title. The book is entitled Gender Queer. That's what the book is called. And it's available in schools, in many districts across the country. And it has illustrations, not photographs, but illustrations in it. And it has graphic sexual illustrations in it, and descriptions of graphic sexual activity. How many parents out there say, I don't care if it's straight or gay, this happens to be gay, we should not have those books on the shelves for kids. And when parents say that, they're lumped in with anybody out there that you consider to be on the fringe and wants to burn books and that's just not the case. So what parents will do is instead of going through the arduous process of trying to explain their point and be heard and you know what they're going to do? They're going to take their kids and they're going to go somewhere else. You keep your school, you keep that curriculum if you want to, complain about all the money that you don't have to pay teachers, and then spend money on curriculum that includes that stuff. You go do that. But I'm going to take my child somewhere where he learns or she learns to read and to write and perform math skills and science and history, and we can have a well-educated child. That's what I'm going to do. And we're seeing it all over the country. Arizona just made that easier. And what it does for for a kid that came from this world, if you're a poor kid, you don't have options. When your mom is working three jobs, you don't have somebody to drive you to another school. When you have a mom that works three jobs, she can't afford even a little bit of tuition at a private school or tutors or she doesn't have the time to homeschool you. And this is a problem for working class families. You want to know why working class school districts perform, underperform? Well, this is part of the reason. And now, what you can do with this is people in these school districts, these underperforming school districts, or even if it's not underperforming, where this child doesn't fit with what you're teaching in the mind of the parent, it gives a working class family the ability to take $7,000 in taxes attached to that child and put their child in an appropriate situation where they believe that. That their child's gonna get the best chance at an education. And I don't know how anyone can complain about that. So now the complaint, because they've lost in the legislature, the next complaint will be, well, then we got to put limits on this. There should be income limitations. If you're a wealthy family that can already afford tuition, you shouldn't be able to use that money. But here's what the other argument is. Well, wait a minute. I'm the person that puts that tax dollar in the education in the first place. So I have to pay for your underperforming school to continue and pay for my child's education that you're not giving him. I think it's a pretty valid argument. If Arizona public schools were educating our children, parents wouldn't be looking for other options. Micro schools, home schools, um, private schools, charter schools, they wouldn't be doing it. They'd be happy with the community. They'd be happy with the neighborhood school where everybody goes to the same school, football on Friday night. But they're not getting it. And when they're not getting it, especially when it comes to their kids, they're going to seek options. And I'm anxious to see how it ends up playing out. Coming up in a moment, before we go, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more on the student loans, but also we're going to close it out with a topic, go back to a topic we started with earlier today. We've got a couple of minutes left. Please stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, I'm going to connect the last two topics, that last topic I was talking with now with the student loan forgiveness. Um, Do you realize that a Pell Grant is, again, a government grant that goes to low-income students, and students are able to go to school, whether it's uh, financed or if it's a grant, and when it's a grant, it's money given to you for college. Do you realize that you can use a federal grant at a private college? Do you know that that's legal? Here we are in the state of Arizona arguing about taking uh, public dollars and giving it to private schools and how horrible that is. Well, then why isn't it a bad thing on the federal level? Why is it that we are giving um, poor families an opportunity at private universities with federal dollars? If it's okay to give federal dollars to private schools for underprivileged children or poorer families to send their kids to college, why isn't it okay to do it at the public school level? And in or at the at the uh, high school level or elementary school level, it, it is the knee jerk reaction to not wanting to give up the dollars, the potential of that, the public school system in Arizona. And I would love to be a part of the solution. Don't know how I could be, but I would love to be a part of the solution in the conversation of how we improve public schools in Arizona. Um, I am not against public education. I think public education should be better. I think we have a lot of work to do to fix them. Is part of it money? Absolutely. There's a plan in place being pushed by all Republicans right now in the state legislature. Some of them already elected to the legislature and and obviously running for re-election, but others that are uh, running for the first time. And... Um, they are pushing a $10,000 permanent raise for teachers across the state of Arizona. The question is, will the teacher see the 10000 Because once it goes to the school district, the school districts have autonomy in how they spend that money. Will the teachers see that full 10000 How can the law be laid out to make sure that the teachers, if you're making 40000 you make 50000 next year. That's a $10,000 raise. Not a shell game. Do they get it or do they not? If that solves the teacher retention problem, great. How do we get rid of the bad teachers? How do we get rid of the politics in education? How do we get rid of the, the, the behind the scenes stuff where if you're not wearing a red T-shirt on Wednesday, we don't want anything to do with you? Um, you know, And if you don't think that happened, I saw it with my own eyes. Um, I used to be able to go and speak in the public schools. I would have teachers invite me down to speak with social studies programs. And to be honest, I never give a speech. I let them ask questions. I just think it's a valuable way to get to know people. Um, that dried up because I dared to speak out and say the politics of education is ugly and the politics of education is ugly and we need to change in Arizona because we're not getting the job done. Whether you believe you're a good teacher or you don't believe you're a good teacher, you could be a great coach on a bad staff. The system itself needs to be fixed. We are focusing in areas sometimes we shouldn't. We are spending money on curriculums that money could be spent and better spent on curriculums that would... uh, would benefit them when it comes to the basics of education. We are far behind other parts of the world when it comes to STEM education. We are asked – the federal government has been asked to immensely to dramatically expand a visa program for students or for for professionals around the world that are better educated in STEM so that they can take these high-tech jobs that are coming here because Americans aren't qualified. And the worst part about it is not only are they not qualified, they don't have the skill level and the education to learn it. Because they didn't learn it in elementary and high school. That's where we are in education in Arizona. You want to sit around and blame who's at fault or financing. We have to get together and fix it. And until that happens, until great strides in fixing that happen, parents will seek out other options. Private schools, charter schools, home schools, micro schools, whatever it is, they're gonna make sure their children get educated. There's a reason why this movement started, and it started because the schools are not educating our children. Let's work together and fix it. Work with the parents and let's get it fixed for the good of our kids and our grandkids and our future. Just about out of time. If you are a social media user, you can find me at Broomhead K T A R. That's where I am on Twitter. That is my personal account. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. That, again, my personal account. Would love to stay in touch between shows. We'll be back tomorrow for the Thursday edition starting just after 8 o'clock. Until then, have a great day. God bless.